Today in our series entitled 30 Days to Easter, we're going to see the betrayal of Judas toward the Lord. Why would he do that? Why would a man that walked with Jesus for three years, saw the miracles, participated in everything that he did, turn on him and turn him over to his crucifiers? Well, that's a mystery, isn't it? We're going to see how all that plays out today. So without any further ado, buckle up. Let's get right into our message, 30 Days Toward Easter, The Betrayal by Judas. I'm sure you did. But did you ever wonder how some of the most horrific things that are done in the world have come to be? Like, why is it that people do awful things? Where does that come from? Like, what's the origin of all of this awfulness, bad behavior that's in the world? It comes from a few places, I think. Obviously, it comes from the sin nature that dwells within us. We've got to get a hold of that baby. It comes from the prince of darkness, the ruler of this world, Satan himself. Mankind has an inbred selfishness, greedy spirit. Um, so, you know, you, com- you combine these things together and we have some really awful things that are done, that people do to each other. But today we're going to focus on one of those specific horrific acts, which by sight may not look that horrific. Now you look at it and you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. But when you understand the gravity of this crime, you may see it as one of the greatest crimes in all of human history. Uh, We're in a series entitled 30 Days to Easter. And we pick up today with Judas's betrayal of Jesus. And, uh, you know, the act of Judas is a picture of what Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 30. He said, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, he said, not you will not, you cannot serve two masters, God and wealth. Now, interesting thing about sin Sin has a small beginning. Sin doesn't usually start off big. It starts off small. Always with a thought, a little thought, a little idea. And when left unattended or fed into, oh, then it grows. And then it becomes horrific. Remember when the woman came to Jesus in the house and she anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume? This woman came in and she knew, oh, Jesus was the Savior, the forgiver, the one and only. And she washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, poured expensive perfume on him to freshen him up. She was honoring him. And there was a guy there that objected. It was Judas. 
And Judas said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? A denarii is about a day's pay. That's almost a year's salary, right? Why was this not sold for 300 denarii? And then give the money to the poor. I give it to Jesus. Think of all the poor people you could help. You could buy food for them. But yet the next verse says, and Judas said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was in the box. I'll tell you what, I can't figure out Jesus. Can you? He's got 12 guys, right? And people donated money. And who did he give the money to? Judas, you watch the money box. No problemo. And we're going to see later on, Jesus knew exactly what Judas was all about. He knew the kind of guy he was. And yet he still let him hold the money. And Judas used to steal from it. One day Jesus gave a hard saying. And many of the disciples, not as twelve, but many of the crowd disciples, the Bible says, they followed him no more. And then Jesus, he looked at his twelve disciples and he said, what about you guys? Are you guys going to go away too? And in John 6, 29, Peter said, Lord, we have believed and we've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. It's like, no, man, we know who you are. Where, where are we going to go? No, there's no better deal than walking with you. And then in verse 70, Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. Huh? Jesus knew exactly the team that he was putting together. He had the devil on his team. Imagine that. Who would do that? Jesus did. Now, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was the one of the twelve who was going to betray him. Wow. I mean, Jesus walked with twelve men. Twelve of them were wonderful friends, and one of them was a hypocrite, was a traitor. And he walked with him anyway. Jesus knew that though Judas walked with him, his heart was not with him. Oh, his heart is far away. You know why? Because Judas didn't love God. Judas loved money. I used to think the reason Judas betrayed the Lord was because he wanted someone to save them from the Romans. But you know what? I couldn't find any scriptural support for that idea. I can't. It's man-made. So upon looking at these scriptures, I've come to the conclusion that Judas betrayed the Lord because he loved money. That's all. He was greedy. Money was his God. Started off small. And then it grew. So Jude, Jesus knew that even though Judas walked with him physically, his heart wasn't with him. Matter of fact, there were quite a few people in those days whose heart was not with God, even though they went through, uh-oh, the motions. Imagine that. You can go through the motions and look holy. But if your heart is not with God, there's no holiness at all. Jesus said to the Pharisees, who looked very holy, these guys are like a picture of holiness. And yet, you know what he said to them? 
Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, <laughs> hypocrites. As it is written, he says, these people honor me with their lips. Oh, they pray and they read and they sing and they do all these things. But you know what? Their heart is far away from me. It's far from me. And here we are 2,000 years later, and you know it's true. Churches are filled every Sunday. They're filled with bodies, but not with hearts. The question today is, is my heart with him? Not my body. Not is my body in church with God. Is my heart with God? Does he have my heart? That's the real question today. See, this drifting away is sure to result in shipwreck. Judas's affections went in the wrong direction. And look what happened. Luke 22, verse 3. Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot. Satan had such a love, here it comes, for the wrong thing. The wrong thing. In this case, it was money. In other cases, it could be something else. And when you have such a strong love for the wrong thing, you open up the door for Satan to come in. And let me clarify it. If you're a true born-again believer, Satan can't come in. He can only come in those that are far from God. But he can influence you with thoughts and projections. He can oppress you, but he can't indwell you. So I don't want any believers here to think, oh no, Satan can come in, because he can't. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he keeps him out. But with Judas, you see, he was far from God. One man said, there is no handle on the outside of the door of the human heart. It must be opened from within. So what he's saying is, when Satan comes into someone, it's because somebody let him in from the inside. They open themselves up. You know, there are things today that can create satanic indwelling. I believe this Far Eastern meditation can open someone up to satanic indwelling. I believe pornography, alcoholism, drug abuse. Because what happens? We open up our minds. We open up ourselves and... Satan can come in like a flood. So those things you really, really have to look out for. And Judas opened himself up with the love of money. One poet smartly said, To every man there openeth a highway and a low, and every man decideth the way his soul shall go. We are the controllers of our own lives we determine what direction our lives are going to go in. Am I going to go toward God or from God? Am I going to live for self or for something greater? We make the choices in our own lives. Verse 4. So Judas went away, and he communed with the chief priests and the captains how he might deliver Jesus to them. And they were glad. Oh, they were glad. You know why the Bible says they were glad? Because they didn't like Jesus. See, when you don't like someone, you want to get rid of them. And when you hate them, you want to destroy them. 
They hated Jesus. Oh, yeah. You know why? He called them hypocrites. He called them snakes. He called them vipers. He said, I'm the son of God. They didn't like anything Jesus said. So they were out to destroy him. So Judas shows up and says, hey, man, I'll help you. You want to get rid of Jesus? What's in it for me? And I'll help you. And that's what he said. So they were glad and they covenanted to give him hope. Here's what he wanted. Money. He wanted money. You know, it's true. The love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. Not money. Money is neutral. But the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. Money is a good servant, but a terrible master. It's good to have money when you control it. But when it controls you, you're in trouble. You're on the verge of shipwreck, like Judas. So the sin of Judas was given rise by his petty prejudice. See, like I said, sin starts off small with an idea, with an opinion. And then that opinion grows, and then we act on it. His petty prejudice. Why is that lady's wasting perfume on this guy? We could have sold it. Could have fed the poor. Judas sounds so moral, but the reality is he was going to steal the money. That was the reality of it, right? You could say that he was, when, when sin starts off with an opinion and it grows, that's like making a mountain out of a molehill. Taking something small and letting it become big. You ever do that? Ever make a mountain out of a molehill? I don't even know what a molehill is. I guess it's when a mole digs a hole, a little dirt comes on top, right? Like a little anthill. And it's just a little thing. But we make a mountain out of it. We make something bigger out of something that really is kind of insignificant. It's not that big. If you continue to make mountains out of molehills, it will one day come crashing down on you. That mountain's going <clears> to... <throat> Come crashing down. So verse 6, And he, Judas, consented. He agreed with the chief priests. And he sought opportunity to deliver Jesus to them in the absence of the multitude. In other words, not where the crowds are. Oh, the crowds like Jesus. We're not going to take Jesus where the crowds are. We're going to get him alone. We're going to get him alone. Then we're going to take him. That was the plan. His soul decided the way that he should go. Remember that little poem? There's a highway and a low. Every man decides which way his soul shall go. Judas decided, I'm taking the low road today. We can always take the highway or the low way. He took the low way, the low road. So Judas left and he made a contract with the priests. Jesus is with the other disciples, and they observed the Last Supper in the absence of Judas because he went away to begin his crime. Then they went into the garden to pray, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was going to be alone. And then we jump to verse 47. While he yet spoke, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, Behold! In other words, look at that. A multitude. Here comes a whole bunch of people. 
a crowd of people. Oh, we got we got the priests and the commanders and the the temple gods and their servants. I mean, this crowd is coming. And here comes Judas, one of the twelve. You know that I, when I read that one of the twelve, that really is a heartbreaker. One of the twelve. He used to walk with Jesus, and now he doesn't. I'll bet we all know somebody like that. They used to walk with Jesus, and now they don't. It's a heartbreak, isn't it? When you saw someone that had phenomenal potential and zealousness, and they used to walk with Jesus, and now they don't. That's Judas. He walked with Jesus for three years, and now he doesn't. So the one that was called Judas, one of the twelve, he went before this ugly crowd, and he drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. See, that was the plan. He said to the priest, "The one, because it's dark out, it's the middle of the night. They don't know who's who. The one I kiss, that's the guy you want. Take him." So Jesus, Judas comes into the garden, and he comes up to Jesus to give him that rabbi kiss on the cheeks, like they still do in the Middle East and in Europe. In verse 48, Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And what he's saying is, you kiss me as a friend while delivering me into the hands of my enemies? You think that's when the pain of Jesus began? You know, we, we talk about the arrest and the beatings and the crown and the thorns and the nails. But, you know, I think the pain began around there when it's like, you use the sign of honor and respect to betray me. You know, something that was meant to honor a person, Judas uses it to betray the Lord. I think that was hurtful to Jesus. But because of the indwelling Satan, we can expect nothing from Judas except what is deceitful and cruel. See, when Satan's in control, nothing good's happening. Not a thing. Not one good thing comes out when Satan's in control. So then Peter got brave. Good old Peter. Everybody needs a friend like Peter. And he took a sword and cut off the servant's ear. That's a good friend. There's another good friend in the Bible, uh, a friend of David. Uh, David was out riding in front of his men on his horse, and this little guy came out of nowhere, Shimei. And Shimei didn't like David, and he's cursing David, and he's throwing rocks at David, and he's... He's, he's just humiliating David in front of his men. And David had a good friend, the captain of his army. <laughs> and he said, who is this dead dog to talk to my king this way? You want me to go over there and cut off his head? That's a friend. That's a good friend. I'll cut his head off. But David's smart. You know what David said? No, don't do that. You know why? And this is important. This is why he was a great king. He said, Maybe God told him to do this 
to humble me, to work humility in me. Maybe God's got him doing this thing so I can be humble. So, see, you never know. We don't know the mind of the Lord, how he operates. So we get a couple of guys in the Bible. They're good friends anyway. I don't care how you look at it. Okay? So Peter was, you know, Jesus said, Peter, no, Peter, don't do that. We're not about that. Live by the sword, you die by the sword. And then Jesus, Jesus went over and healed the guy's ear. Wow. Verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who came against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs? They got sticks in their hands and everything. As, as against a robber? He said, While I was with you daily in the temple, you didn't lay hands on me. You could have got me anytime. He said, Oh, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. And what Jesus is saying is that they had opportunity to seize him earlier, but God would not allow it. God would not allow Jesus to be taken in the town. He already had it arranged that he would be taken in the garden. Why? Prophecy. Prophecies were being fulfilled. I was wounded in the house of my friends. My old familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. Prophesied in the Old Testament about Judas Iscariot betraying the Lord. You know, Jesus knew his life was completely in the hands of his father. Even when he stood before Pilate, remember when Pilate accused him? He said, answer me. Don't you know I have the power to set you free or crucify you? And you know what Jesus said? Well, you really don't have any authority over me. The only authority you have over me is what my father gives you. So, you have no authority. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew who he was in connection with God. And you know what? We need to do that. We need to know who we are in God. And don't be fearful. And don't be anxious and frustrated and afraid. Know who you are in God. I'll take care of a lot of emotional issues that we struggle with sometimes. So what did Judas get out of all this? Judas betrayed the Lord. He was a lover of money. Oh, yeah, man, I just want to get rich. He betrayed Jesus. What did he get out of all this? Well, in Matthew chapter 26, it tells us, Judas said to the, to the religious leaders, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? So he's like, you know, I'm in this for the money. They weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. That was generally the price of a slave. You know, buy a slave, 30 pieces of silver. So what did Judas do with the money? Did he buy a boat? Did he go on vacation? Did he invest it? Well, he thought about what he did. He thought about how he betrayed Jesus. He started reflecting. Maybe he was thinking about the three years together and all the good that they did. 
of feeding the multitudes, all those hungry people, all those ailing people, people that couldn't walk, Jesus raised them up. People that couldn't see, Jesus gave them sight. They couldn't hear, Jesus gave them hearing. Oh, he raised some from the dead. I mean, maybe he started thinking, wow, look at all the good that Jesus did. But you know what? He didn't connect himself with it. And the Bible says in the next chapter, Matthew 27, he went back to the priests and he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary. He said, take your money. He threw the money, gave it back. He didn't want it anymore. And then, instead of going to Jesus and say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for what I did. You know what he did? He went and hanged himself. He killed himself. And perhaps because Satan was still in him, I don't know. At one point, Satan came out. Maybe he came out before, maybe he was still in him then, I don't know. But all I know is when you're under the influence of the devil, nothing good happens. There's never a good outcome. It's always shipwreck. Every time. So don't ever think things will turn out well. When you, here it comes, do not follow after Christ. You stop following after Christ. Don't think you're going to have a good life. You're not. Don't think it's going to be a happy ending. It's not. It's not. Once you belong to God, you become his child, and he has a plan for your life. You walk out of that plan, and you're walking out of the light into darkness. And there's nothing good in the darkness. Just ask Judas. There's nothing good in the darkness. I'm going to give you a final illustration of how a person's life can completely change, and not for the better. There was an artist who was painting The Last Supper. It was a beautiful picture, and it took him many years to complete. As a model for the face of Christ, he used a young man with a face of transcendent loveliness and purity. Bit by bit, the picture was filled in over the years, and one after another, the disciples were painted in. The day came when he needed a model for Judas, whose face he left till last. He said, I gotta find a Judas looking guy. He went out and searched the lowest haunts of the city and in the dens of sin. At last, they found a man with a face so depraved and so vicious that it matched the requirement that he wanted for Judas. When the sitting was at an end, the man said to the artist, you painted me before. Surely not, said the artist. Oh yes, said the man. I sat for your Christ. And what have the years done to him? They ruined him. And so it is when you walk away from God.